Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Phil Tiger. Slacker Hello Slackers and welcome to the final podcast of 2020. Um, thank you to every single one of you for, for listening to the podcast, interacting with the podcast and and just, yeah, just being you. You, you, you my friend, are one of the biggest legends. I've been telling people about you from as far as away as Beirut to Brighton. Trust me, man. I love you, but seriously, thank you, thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, it has gone from strength to strength this year. Uh, like, there's been times where I was like, "Oh my god, should I should I keep this going? Is this the, the right thing to be doing?" And um, towards the end of the year, um, the answer is most definitely yes. There's been a massive spike in, in listens, uh, and um, a whole new audience has come come on board with with you, the guys who've been here since the start. So, massive respect to both the new and the and the legends as well um we'll be going into um 2021 with a renewed vigor and a whole massive uh list of incredible people incredible musicians incredible artists to talk about those demos and talk about um their careers um from the the very beginning we are outlasting all the other music podcasts those phonies they just come in for about a season maybe two seasons if they're lucky and then they get bored and they go back to doing whatever linear stuff they normally do slackers outlasting them all it'll be us cockroaches and keith richards left at the end of the nuclear apocalypse which i would imagine as recording this in 2020 will probably happen before new year's day um also i have massive 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 like huge personal news coming on Monday the 21st of December. I can't say anything yet, but let's put it like this. My final show on Radio 1 is on the 20th of December on Sunday night at 7 p.m. if you want to listen in. And I got big news on Monday. So maybe I will drop something on the RSS feed here um, for you lovely people to uh, 
check out and make your own minds up on <laughs> trying to be as cryptic as I possibly can without giving anything away. Yes, that's that's a message from my own brain saying, shut the hell up, P-Tag. Yes, 21st of December, big big news on something something fresh, something new. Um, right, so this week uh, on the podcast, uh, we have uh, two of the members of Future Islands who I, I um, recorded a podcast with a couple of weeks ago, probably a couple of months ago, actually, now. Um, if you are a fan of Future Islands or even a mild fan, we go into such nerdy detail on on this specific podcast, even more so than we normally do. That yeah, if you're a, a bit of a train spotter, you are going to have an absolute field day on this one. If you're not, you're on the fence. We go into some serious detail. Anyway, you'll you'll hear it. the The audio quality is a little bit all over the place on on this one because uh, the two guys were in uh, two different places with two different sort of setups. But it sounds fine to me. So hopefully it sounds fine to you as well. And, and all it leaves me to do now is to just wish you guys a, a, a very Merry Christmas um, and a Happy New Year. And I won't be doing that thing where, you know, people do at the start of the year going, 2021 is going to be my year. I'm going to be the best. Everything's going to be amazing. I'm going to wake up and there's going to be so much money in my pockets. I won't even be able to wear coats anymore because I won't be able to carry the money, you know. Um, I'm just going to go into 2021 and hope that people are healthy <laughs> that's that's it that's the big want that i have i'm not going to go into demanding anything of anybody if the, this year has taught me anything it's just like let's just stay healthy will we um okay so right this is our slacker podcast with future islands in three two one Ladies and gentlemen, people off the jury, it is the the Slacker podcast, um, and we've got uh, two of the members of Future Islands here today, Samuel and William. Hello. Hey, what's up? All good. Hello. We're, like we've got some sort of like weird ass Indian summer that's like happening here, and it's like September, and it's really hot, and I'm like, I'm cooking, which is which is great. <laughs> How are you guys getting on? Uh, man, it's the same. I'm in Sweden. It's it's perfect. It's a perfect day here. It's beautiful. Do you guys? Yeah, it's pretty nice. It's pretty nice in Baltimore right now. I like it. Start, start, it's starting to. It's starting to uh, become the fall, you know. But it's not quite the fall yet. It's really awesome. That's why I got my orange. I'm wearing my orange plaid. I know, like a, a lesser broadcaster would make a joke saying something like "seasons change," but I would never do that because I'm way too classy for that, and only like dickheads would do that. You know what I'm saying? That's why we agreed to do this. Exactly. Podcast. It's like like it's the highbrow journalism and lack of uh puns and catchphrases that i i think that like really led you into this <laughs> well i'm bummed because yeah. i wrote that song and then i realized that i didn't come up with the uh, phrase seasons changed i thought i did and then i started hearing it in all these other songs like what what's happening as in <laughs> which was the which was the biggest one like 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 where are you in the rank of seasons change out of like the that's actually a really good question. I, I really want to see that graph. But I think I think like uh, maybe a month after singles came out, mm. um, I was watching an episode of South Park where it's uh, they're taking digs at Disney and it probably came out in like 2011. And these they're doing like a fake Jonas Brothers singing on stage. And uh, and it's just kind of a mumbled song. And the first thing he's like, seasons change. And I was like, oh, my God, did I steal this from South Park? <laughs> did I do that? 
Did I? I sometimes some, sometimes that's the best place to start. Um, yeah. So <laughs> thank you very much for coming on um, on the podcast and. Uh, Listen, I've I've been like looking to like um, chat to you guys for ages, so it's it's great that you're back. You've got a new album, um, as long as you are, which is coming out, um, in October. Like, you guys seem like you guys don't look like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders right now. You look both look pretty happy. Is that is that like how you're going into this record? Are you going in all smiles blazing? Uh, well, it's 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 been kind of easy on us because we're we're like usually at this point. Um, leading up to an album release we would be like flying all over you know flying all over the place doing shows and doing press um but because we're we're not able to we're we're all all the press is being done you know like this over over the computer and telephone so so yeah it's been pretty 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 manageable i guess you're never you're never gonna want to promo another record ever again now that you realize that you can like stay at home and promo an album <laughs> like the kinda idea true. of like it's kind of true <laughs> and, but it's it's you know sometimes you have to you have to let the other side figure it out so they think that it was their idea like oh we can just do this like this now you don't have to come over here um <laughs> to speak in person but um but yeah i mean i think you kind of have to be positive right now about things that do carry weight because I, I don't know I guess in the in the light of any kind of pandemic or uh, if you if you're an American maybe you're scared of the world too because you live in America yeah. um, you do have to take things it, it makes you see things in a different light like like making it makes you see how we're really lucky that we get to make a living making music and, and creating art um also makes you say uh you know thinking about the things that maybe you have or what you need in your life over what you want you know the things that are most important to you come into play like in a time like this um so so yeah i mean uh it's really it's it it hits us all um it's hitting the whole world um as a musician it's hitting us in our pockets um (laughs) you know allowing us to make a living by making music but but luckily you know we're at a place where we we can survive right now and and feel fortunate with that um so excited about the album um and it definitely i mean yeah there's of course uh neuroses that always comes into these things um into album releases but uh but you have to be positive in in a time where so much as negative you just kind of i think it's a really good time for you to put out the record because like um it was like i'd imagine it was clearly done before before all of this started like the album was probably finished last year was it uh yeah uh the the recording was we finished recording and tracking everything i think the last stuff was done in um january of this year and then uh sam actually flew back to baltimore from sweden in March, uh, short, like right before the shelter in place uh, order came. So, um, we, we, and we ended up mixing the record entirely over zoom. So it's a shame because, you know, Sam could have been, and he could have been in Sweden the whole time, but none of us knew that, you know, there's something Um, like, like, sorry, there's something, there's something about like mixing like an album on zoom when you're like having a share screen where everybody can like look at it and, and like, it, it must be a completely different process. Like this album will definitely have sounded a lot different than it would have if you had it all been together. Right. 
maybe i guess when you when you mix a record you're usually like you're usually sitting you know next to your bandmates not like <laughs> facing them like right like into their face the entire time you know or you might just be sitting like you know they might be to the side or something mm. but um yeah, I didn't think about that when we mixed this one. We were looking at each other's faces the entire time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of it's you, you really think it's really easy to hide when you're like in a recording room and you're all sitting in the same, you, like you're all f- facing the same way. Because when somebody disagrees with something, you can pull that face and you can be like, oh, "God, no, I, I do not agree with this" or something. But when now everybody's looking at you, like you, you gotta like you gotta have a better poker well, you just, face. You, you just gotta you just gotta do this, you know. But it is like, I think in a way, you know, the other thing is sometimes you're, once you're at a studio for like four or five hours, your brain just starts to like shut, shut off. At least for me, um, I'm just like, want to go home, make something to eat or have a cup of coffee right then, or just I hear that. Just yeah. feel like relax. So, so I would say that was a positive in that we were we were all like relaxed at home, like mixing the records. Yeah. You know? We're like in this active process, but we're also like relaxed. Like I could flip on FIFA and play while I was like listening to tracks and, uh, <laughs> Do you, pl- you know, like these kinds of things or, or yeah, just like um, just being in the comfort of home. Like I don't need to go away and then work shuts off. It's like, I'm in a comfortable spot. Let's listen to some stuff. And, and answer some questions. And then and then we would just like take a few days off to listen to these new mixes that we would create. So there was just like a lot of space, like it allowed, it, it allowed uh, space because we couldn't actually be in the studio. Even though we were all in the same city, we were still on Zoom, like mixing this record um, because we couldn't be in the same room. So, so uh, it, it, it kind of was a positive thing. I don't know if we'll do that in the future on purpose, though. Yeah, I think I think like it's a bit more of a needs must situation. Also, you're the only American I've ever met that actually plays FIFA and doesn't play like um, Madden or or, or some, <laughs> something else. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm, yeah, I'm a I'm a soccer sucker. So William, I'm like really. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what like 2021 is going to look like. You're getting your album out in good time. Cause you ever see that like three stooges sketch where like there's like three people trying to fit through the one door at the, at the same time i feel like like that's yeah. what music is going to be in like 2021 where everybody's releasing the fruits of their labors and trying to tour all at the same time yeah it is going to be a kind of a three stooges moment <laughs> to see uh i think you know I, we don't even know if touring will even happen next year you know the way things are going um so we'll see yeah we're uh we like we're, we're, we're constantly having we're having meetings regularly with our you know with our team with our management uh and we're it seems like we're always just uh rearranging tour dates and pushing things farther and farther mm. back but it's cool Listen, we just got just just got to just got <laughs> to fingers cross it. Got to go and find those countries like that aren't touched by any of this that are like maybe on like the what like a billion miles out into the Pacific Ocean and have one venue on it and just have a residency there like UFC style. Yeah, I was gonna say we're gonna go oh, yeah. play Fight Island, <laughs> like UFC Fight Island Fest. But that, only- well, I guess I guess we can see how the uh, live stream goes that we're doing, and if it if it if it does well, maybe we'll do like. Like I was thinking, what if we did like uh, we set, you know, if it went well, like sometime early next year, we could set up um, 
and do a show a night in the same venue, but it would be like, tonight we're playing only in the UK. And then Tuesday <laughs> night, we're only playing, you know, in Brazil, you know, just do whatever, you know, just section good. it off like that. I like It'd that. be like our own version of a tour, but entirely live streamed. I, I think that would be cool. Um, but I don't know. We, we, we literally have not talked. That's the first time it's come out of my mouth. I mean, I was talking about this a about few it. years ago, the idea that I was like, one day we're just going to be like able to be holograms and we'll, we'll be in Baltimore and then we'll be like, okay, it's showtime. And we'll go, we'll all drive to our studio we have and we'll jump into these suits and then we'll, we'll get in front of the screen and all these sensors. And then we'll, they'll like beam our, they'll beam our three dimensional selves to like someplace in Milwaukee or Chicago and then we'll just be like, play a show, our holograms will play of us live, and then we'll go home. And, and that's the whole there. tour done. <laughs> yeah, fucking there. Think, think of the amount, amount think, of things that you would have to have to achieve in that one, one gig. You would have to find a way to eat like a, a kilogram of hummus. Um, you'd have you'd have to find a way to fall out with your bandmates several times and make up, and <laughs> it 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 doesn't bear thinking about. That's got to be good TV. <laughs> I've been catching up on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Wow, that's that's what that's what quarantine has brought me. Can you that's what this can you relate? Can you relate? Do you like do, do you, do you no, share, not at all. Share, share, <laughs> share the same issues as these Beverly Hills it wives? Value, it makes me value my friends a lot. <laughs> I met you guys in the flesh once before, and you'll not remember it because I barely remember it. Um, it was at a music festival in Norway, and um, yeah. I can't remember the name of it now. It's, it escapes me off the top of my head. Um, but I went back to my bed uh, like in a hotel afterwards, and you guys were staying in the same hotel, and there was a fire alarm that went off. Yeah. And I remember like getting torn out of bed by like somebody and like walked down the stairs and I had like a cigarette when I still smoked and I like turned to like one of one of you guys or one of your friends and I was standing right next to you like looking at the building going I didn't even notice that it was you until I went back into bed I was like I think that was just like in my pants smoking a cigarette <laughs> chatting to one of the guys from Feature Islands that was so strange that was very strange I can't remember if I was outside walking up to the hotel when it happened or if I went outside I just remember it being like, what are we doing out here? Mm. And they're like, oh, it's a fire. I didn't but really was, think. That festival called like Erland or something. Erland. Oh, they're going to hate me. Like for. <laughs> Oya. Oya. Yeah. Oya. That's what Boom. it was. You got it. Um, so I, I kind of want to go back to the. The, the the beginning days of like um before even before future islands there's one thing i always love about people who played music for a long time like i've played loads of different bands over the years is like the early band names that, that like you have like not even essentially the band names that you played together in but you can almost tell a lot about where you start off from so like i, I was in a band called the hot rocks and i was in a band called what we called under the influence when we were like 14 or 15 so you can kind of get a vibe like of what was going on there what about you guys uh i had a i had a band my first band ever in high school we were called felix the drum machine um <laughs> that's such a great band and, and then we uh there was there was, i was also like in like you know there was like a that band the locust we were uh i was in a band that was kind of like that really fast like really really fast um it was me and brian shaw and our, and our buddy henry on drums 
and uh, he sang, and I just played keyboards really with the arpeggiator really fast. And yeah. it was just like, you know, our songs were like 40 seconds long, um, but we were called Very 80s, but it was spelled Varieties. <laughs> we, we, we thought that was really clever. That is, that is, it's one of those ones that r- works better, like written down, and it does like saying it out loud because <laughs> yeah. you, you have to like say what it is. <laughs> yeah. We played like, we played like a few shows. Um, were these like 40 second songs was it like hardcore stuff was it like fuck you mom fuck you dad i don't even know what he was the our drummer would be the singer and because he he was like the aficionado on that kind of music he like loved that kind of music and then Mm. my buddy brian just we we just chose some chords and like i would just play the chords uh with your arpeggiator set to like 200 bpm so just like (laughs) (laughs) and brian would like play like really fast um and it, it was, you know, it, I'm, I'm sure we were, like, hitting chords at the wrong time. And, you know, we, like, made up the set, like, just, like, right before the show, you know. Like, um, maybe I'd practice, like, once and then. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're playing music that fast, it doesn't really matter if you're hitting something or if you're hitting, like, a, right. a dud note, does it? Like. No. Yeah, I guess if you're in, if you're in, the, if you're in the, if you're hitting one of the, one of the chords in the song, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to be too far off the mark. You know? <laughs> what about you, Sam? I, well, I didn't have any, I didn't have any high school bands, but my first, so we started, you know, our first group was called Art Lord and the Self-Portraits. Mm. And then between Art Lord and Future Islands Beginning, which was only about five or six month period, or maybe four or five month period, I had a, I had a rap group for a second with these two, these two guys in Greenville, North Carolina, that was called Square Bones. Um, and that was pretty weird. How long did that last for? Uh, the four or five months I was like I need a project and it was a project with this guy who was a, a he was a metal bassist like uh, actually a really sick uh, player this guy Travis but so he was like a metal head who collected pedals and he loved hip-hop so he was I don't know that that's that's actually a kind of person that's a, there's there's a big there's a big scene of like metal heads who love hardcore hip-hop um, it's it's yeah it's a it's a kind of human. There, um, there <laughs> Travis is. was one of these kinds of humans, but he was he had this wall of pedals in his house where he's just like a hundred pedals, you know, on screws hung on the wall, and he would just like grab things, and so he was making these really dark, dark uh, like NPC beats. And then the other guy was like the local, he was like the local piercer at the local tattoo shop, and and he like played the what is it called, William? Uh, Theremin, yeah, he played <laughs> theremin and microcorg. So it was this really dark, really dark, low, loping, uh, weird avant rap uh, stuff. I mean, a lot of it, I was, I probably freestyled about. We only, we did like five or six shows, and I probably freestyled like seventy percent of the set because I just didn't. Yeah, I didn't. We we just started and then just did a show. So and we just kept playing. I've never heard of anybody who's just bought a theremin to only play a theremin. I've heard of people like have a theremin for it to be like it, well, part of it, something, but never like to be like, yes, I'm a theremin player. And that's yeah, it. Yeah, we were like, it was like horrorcore. It was definitely like horrorcore slow beats with the. <laughs> I mean, it was weird. It was, it was weird stuff, but it was, it was kind of fun. But then I was like, this is the most. Uh, yeah, because you know we were art, we, even with Art Lord. I mean, we were like a the we we're just like our college band, and we played 
you know, we would play like three or 400 people when we would do shows in town and it was a lot of fun and people dance and get drunk. And then I went and started doing these, these like weird hip hop shows with these two nerds. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm a nerd myself and it would be like six people in the audience, like barely nodding their heads yeah. and, and get off stage. And the two guys would be like, that was like a sick show. Like people loved it. And was just like, is that, is that what it's like when they love it? Yeah. When you play, is that what it's like? Because I hate this. I like, fucking... I love niche. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, I don't get that. You know, I've done solo hip hop sets. Uh, um, it's it's actually been like three or four years since I've done one, but that that's kind of why I don't do it much because it's yeah, it's just a very different response. Mm. Like if you can get people nodding their heads, then it's like success, and that and I I like miss being you know on stage with the guys, which. You know, me and William have played probably like fourteen hundred shows together. Um, with in yeah, all me, of our me different and Sam, Do me I? and Sam had a um, we had a band that I think maybe only played once, maybe twice, called in our in our street clothes. That was in between <laughs> Art Lord and the Self Portraits. Yeah, in between Art Lord and the Self Portraits and Future Islands. It was in like the little four four or five month period. Um, Art Lord was a bit. I only remember that because we had a. I found a flyer recently that had it on there. And, <laughs> um, I don't even know what we played. Uh, Art Lord was like a kind of like it was like your big first band, but it was also like kind of gimmicky, wasn't it? Like you kind of it it had like a gimmick. Yeah, it was built around. It was built around a concept. It was supposed to be performance art, Phil. Okay. Not gimmicky. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh. Watch the, watch, just watch this interview go downhill now. Yeah. After this. We kind of stopped that band because we we started it with this with the gimmick of like the front man who was the German the self proclaimed German Lord of Art and uh, who had brought his self portraits to life so he could sing his songs of woe to the world um, and it was supposed to be the social commentary about like how he treats celebrities and like pop stars, rock stars in our society, how they're like, can be really shitty, but we still wanna like know all about it. It's just like me watching Beverly Hills Housewives. Um, <laughs> it's the same thing, but, um, but yeah, but the thing is like, we kind of, the concept ran out really quickly. Um, and then we just started writing more personal songs mm. um, and we got better, you know, at our instruments and figuring out what we were doing, but we were still, but then in, in between songs, it was still this like, character and this kind of gimmick this but, uh, sounds it like something awesome, like Nick Cave would do it was hard to grow you know it's hard to grow from there because people are always, always and people didn't even call us by our real name they were just like called us the art lords and it's like there's only one art lord and then there's self-portraits okay it's not the <laughs> art lords there, there can only be one yeah exactly you don't call you don't call like Clarence Clemens Bruce Springsteen it's like no he's in the E Street band and that's Bruce Springsteen come on guys I call Bruce Springsteen's band the Bruce Springsteen's <laughs> dude I saw the Bruce Springsteen's back in fucking 95 dude he killed it oh All yeah damn you should do you should do an impression you should do the art lord you should you should do the just make a little art lord cameo real quick oh. how are you doing Philip? are you well today I'm well I'm well every day <laughs> I mean, look at me. Aren't I beautiful? Which, I am quite wonderful. Which part of Bavaria are you from originally? <laughs> um, it's, I am from the, the lowlands of Ohio in a little town called Germany. <laughs> he is American. You need to bring this guy back. He's so good. He's so much fun. 
I'm not sure what for you need to bring him back for, but just just, <laughs> just, just bring him back. <laughs> Maybe Art Lord should host the live stream, Wham. <laughs> we, we could do that. Whoa. We could, Whoa. We could get some holograms going for that. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I'm just excited because I'm probably going to have to get a wig, and I need one. So I'm going to get my wig on. I'm going to be the Art Lord, and, and, then I can, uh, and then I can go do my thing over there. Whose idea? Yeah. Whose idea was it to like stop that band and move it to like Future Islands? William was like, was did somebody come in one day and just go, enough of this fake German? <laughs> uh, well, like Sam said, we kind of we kind of outgrew the gimmick pretty fast. Um, like with within the first year, we were we were writing songs that we felt really. Um, just they're much more personal uh they're not real things um and but we felt like there was a like maybe there was a sense that maybe, maybe people didn't take it seriously because in between songs there would be like this gimmick that still talks to the audience so i mean there was a there there were conversations for a while um i i i seem to remember me and garrett both pushing to change the name um i, I think i think we did um we, we, we were like pushing for it but uh, we we could never decide to actually do it, and then our the our other keyboardist, the fourth member of the band, um, Adam Beebe, he was actually self portrait number two. Um, he uh, had to split town. He split town uh, kind of abruptly and quickly, and he was like, "The band's over." What the so fuck? Did you, what ended. did he do? <laughs> it just it just ended. Um, it just it just ended like really quick, and so um so yeah we uh we we just really okay so we, we we had a couple shows that were still booked that was like i think in september around when that happened and i think we played our last show in i think october of 2005 and then um we just didn't have a band for a couple months it kind of sucks not having a band to be honest yeah i thought i was really confused like what do i do now like this is I've already failed out of college. Now I don't have a band. <laughs> like, yeah. And I was just like washing yeah, dishes at a restaurant. Just like, this sucks. There was a, there was a band in Greenville, a, a pretty popular band at the time called the Kick-Ass. And they're like instrumental, um, instrumental, like uh, heavy, uh, heavy band. Um, I'm sure there's a classification for what style they are. I just, I don't know it, but their bass player, also had an electronic drum kit and he was a big fan of art lord and the self-portraits and um we, even though there was one point with within art lord that we we practiced with him we, we were like let's see what it's like to have a drummer he, he brought his electronic drum kit over um we ultimately decided to stay with the drum machine but um <laughs> that must be really soul destroying for that guy you're like you tested him out and you're like nah mate i'm sorry drum machines don't talk back Get out of here, kind of. Well, but, well, well I, I should say that the 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 Felix the drum machine that we used in Felix the drum machine is the same drum machine that was a Yamaha keyboard that played all the beats for Art Lord. It was like the pre-recorded drum beats that we used. Um, so it's like a, it goes all the way back to my high school high school band. But um, anyway, I just thought about that because we were talking about it earlier. But after we Art Lord broke up, um, Eric, he was a, that was his name, Eric Mario. Um, he was a really big fan, like I said, and he really encouraged us. He was like, "Come on, you guys got to keep." Like, he's like, "Let's start a new band. Let's do it. I'll be your drummer. Let's let's go for it." And so he really kind of encouraged us to get together again. And 
he kind of lit a fire under our asses to um to start writing again and he he played drums very very fast so our songs went from like you know kind of like mid-tempo dance grooves to just full full-on like punk at mm-hmm. times yeah and uh and sam really started like felt like he really started screaming for the first time you know uh, partly because the songs were faster but also because it's just louder with a drummer you know <laughs> like just having like the drums be their own thing and have them amplified and uh, and not just part of like you know underneath the keyboards or whatever um but it was also guess- really cool because i was used to being in a band where everybody kind of stood still and i was like the kinetic element you know because our lord was all like we were trying to kind of we were uh craft work we were yeah. trying to like be part partly craft work so so the guys were very like the self-portraits were like playing like craft work and just like chilling in the back playing keys and then i was moving around and then we got the drummer and then it was just like i was also freaked out because i didn't get to play this character i had to be myself on stage all of a sudden and so then i was just like get try to get lost in the music get really propulsive um or just it just like it pushed me it pushed me a lot to have like eric who was just like banging the drums so hard and sweating so hard i was like well i'm in a band with a guy who's like (laughs) as sweaty as me um (laughs) but in a different way because then i'm i'm sorry William. i kind of cut you off but like when eric left the band it was it was interesting again because we went from having this really driving propulsive force to not having it and so then i had to figure out how to perform in that kind of uh powerful way without having that power so then that was i think that was a productive thing for me to like uh yeah it pushed me and then i had to figure out how to push it myself and how to how to like push emotion without having that actual physical driving force how much of that was like primal due to like the rhythms just being heavy and fast and in your face and how much of it was like nervous energy of actually having to be yourself on stage i think early on there was a lot of the nervous energy but also with that there's also a lot of booze so those things like help to mask like any kind of anxiety and get you loose um but you know in those days we were still playing mainly to our friends like um I mean, I guess with Future Islands is really when we started to try to step out of our, step out of like the ends of Art Lord, we were doing our first bit of touring outside of uh, North Carolina. Um, Like we would go up to New York once a year, you know, the three years of Art Lord. But then like the last thing that Art Lord did was like a two and a half week tour to like all the way down to New Orleans and up to Chicago and then over to New York. And then the the band, it felt like, I think we're going to make it guys like our band went around like half the country. And then like a month, a week or a month later, the band was over. Um, so, so really when we started Future Islands, we had this, like all, all the things that we had gained, the knowledge we had gained um, through, you know, cause William was booking our shows. Like William booked all the art Lord shows. He booked the first like six or 700 shows of future islands. Um, or I, do you know how many you booked William? Five or 600? I mean, I booked I booked us until 2011, so yeah. Future Island started in 2006, and I did all the booking until yeah, like late 2011 was the first tour that we did that I didn't book. How did yeah, you I mean, How did you find that? 2011, we did like almost 150 shows a year, but so like we were 
so yeah, but William, like, you know, he was, he was booking us for Art Lord. He was making contacts. And so when we started over again, it was kind of hard because, you know, Art Lord actually did good in some cities in North Carolina. And then all of a sudden we like couldn't draw a crowd, which was weird. But then we were starting fresh in other places and, and, uh, and yeah, just took the knowledge of what we had done before, even though it was very small, um, but took it to just like starting over and then, okay, well, we're going to start by doing a two week tour instead of finishing a band by doing a two week tour. We're going to like, the first thing we're going to do is put a, put a band together and then do a two week tour and then see what happens. Yeah. And then just doing that. But like, so then if you were doing everything like DIY, like yeah, William, you were booking like what, 500, 600 shows um, to start off with. Did you, were you, did that make you like de facto, like the sort of like industry side of the band or did you like split, split that? Do you know what I mean? Like who does the management, who does the merch, who does the booking? Like if you're looking after yourself, like how did you guys used to split that up? Cause I know for myself and being in bands that like that can be really hectic <laughs> on who takes yeah, on what roles. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I felt like I, I was sort of the, I felt like I was sort of the, the contact with the outside world from the band so i was sort of like the manager and the booking agent yeah and mm -hmm. one and then for the merch i mean early on was um like cdr you know so that was all of us we would just burn them usually in the van and we would like take turns like you know we would like you know just writing handwriting what you know what what the release was or whatever um yeah and making t-shirts and, uh, make and t -shirts. also you know I didn't know how to ask for money. Like, I didn't know how to be like, I didn't know about guarantees or I'd heard about guarantees, but that, that was for other bands and not for us. So like, I would just be like, if, if I could just get anyone to agree to let us play, that was a success. It wasn't like, so we'd be like, well, great, we got a tour. And then we're just like, okay, let's just hope there's, let's hope they take money. Let's hope there's money tonight. <laughs> you know, we're playing, we're playing this, you know, we're playing this weird art gallery or and we're playing this weird warehouse space or we're playing somebody's basement. Like whose basement is it? I don't know. Like this is the <laughs> phone number I got from somebody and they, and they got it from somebody else. And uh, they emailed me back and said it was cool. So I hope they remember that they, they booked the show tonight. <laughs> and, you know, we, we, we were, we were barely, you know, we'd make enough money to pay for gas and we were like trying to, you know, get people to let us you know, if people let us sleep on their couch or their floor, that was a success because we saved some money from having to get a hotel, mm. you know, but it was, it was, it was like that for years. Like we surpassed the point where I think most bands in our position would be like, this is bullshit. I'm out. You know, like it was, it was hard for a really long time for us. I remember like um, splitting up band money to like go to like, uh, you know, Taco Bell because they had like the dollar menu so we could eat a good amount of food um stuff like that and then you didn't eat dinner you just drank you just drank the free beer they gave you yeah I mean we used to do the subway you split up five everybody gets five me William and Garrett we each get five dollars and you go to subway for lunch and you get a five dollar foot long sub that has literally every single thing you can put on it <laughs> on it and it's just this disgusting mess but it weighs about five pounds and then you eat half of it for lunch and then you save the other half for dinner like that style. I can't, I still can't stand the smell of Subway for many reasons, but that's, that's, uh, it's just like eating so many, so many Subway subs. Disgusting. You, you guys must really appreciate when you get like a buyout now and you get to go and sit down and have like a nice dinner and a glass of wine or whatever, or, or before you go and play now, you've earned it. I, 
I think we should appreciate that more. I think you forget. I mean, that's the thing is you kind of forget those things sometimes. Yeah. Like where you came from and like how hard it was. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. What, what are your favorite, like, war stories from, like, those, those, like, tours that you did? Like, when you guys, like, sit around and, like, meet up or, or you're, like, whatever hanging out and somebody regales in an old story of the old future island tours what are like the the one or two shows that always come to mind where you're like going oh my god do you remember when that happened oh man i mean there's lots of those there was one time uh in art lord days where a guy walked in in the middle of the set during our uh we actually had a good crowd we were in chicago um and uh we actually played to a really good crowd and we're playing uh, the song bouncing away that we were gonna send you. And um, this guy just walks in and it's like, got like a slower, pretty song. And it, he just yells, hey, I got a meat lover's pizza. Who want a meat lover's pizza? And like, and every, like the whole crowd and me just like looking at this guy, like what? <laughs> and then like, like keep singing the song. Hey, who ordered this pizza? <laughs> Anyways, the song ends and William's like, damn. See how much that pizza is, and I was like, it's pizza. "How much are you selling that pizza for?" And he's like, "It's twenty dollars." Like, uh, we will purchase your pizza, and uh, and so we give the guy the money, and he puts. We're like, put it on the merch table. We get over there after the show, and like, because it was it's one of the last songs we would play, and and uh, the pizza's basically like half gone. But anyways, it's a good story of uh, that asshole. And so we were like, "Wow, that's really great." We're talking like the bartender, like it's really great that that guy came in because I really wanted a pizza. And then it was like, nobody was there to buy the pizza. And then we got the pizza. And then she's like, he does that every day. <laughs> he like literally does that every day <laughs> to, to, to trick some schmuck like you and fucking buying this pizza from him. For like $20 as well. He probably bought it for like, or made it or like for like yeah, four bucks exactly. or something. 
Um, I love that. Our, uh, our first U.S. tour ever, it was us and a band called Ear Power. We were all in a van, like a 15-passenger van. And uh, we made it all the way up to, like, Seattle. And uh, I think we were heading to Missoula, and the van broke down. And then, like, I we had to – it was, like – it was something, like – we got it fixed and then it, the same thing happened again and it broke down again. And uh, what was the name of the town that we were in? We ended up staying in this town for a couple of days and we, uh, we actually ended up like uh, before, this is like before GoFundMe and before this kind of stuff. Like we just put out on, on the internet that I think it was MySpace at the time that, you know, our van had broken down. We needed money and we would like send, we would send people merch once we got back you know we would promise people things mm-hmm. that, we, that the band would you know t-shirts or records or whatever and uh it was all cdrs at that point but we we got enough money to, to get the van fixed and to by the time it got fixed to get back on track we had to drive 24 hours straight oh my God. from like uh from like idaho like or like yeah. like far like, like right there on the washington line um washington idaho line to uh lawrence kansas with so it was like no stopping driving straight through for 24 hours and we get to lawrence we played the show it was like it was like the show was good um ear power like killed it like people were dancing and going crazy after ear power played everyone went outside to smoke a cigarette we played our set and they 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 pretty much were outside our entire set um, oh my god and then so they we were like, really man, the last song. They like ran up to the stage as they were playing our last song, and we're like, everybody was dancing, like forty people rushing in. And then we finished, and we're like, thanks, we're Future Islands. And then they're like, what? Play another one. And we're like, we just played our whole set. They're <laughs> making us get off stage now. <laughs> like, where were you? I played a gig once where the everybody I knew everybody was going out to the smoking area because I'd been at that place before. So what I did was I I kicked it, pretended I was working there, kicked everybody out of the smoking area, cl- closed the fire exit door, and then put a a chair down like into it so nobody could open it, and then climbed up over the wall back in, and we played our gig to a full room of people like they were going piss mental that they like that they couldn't get out the smoke, but at the same time it was very much of the case of we've had our fun and that was all that matters. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, it's like I'll scale background and take it out afterwards. Um, well, one thing I wanted to ask was like when between the, the years of like you know two thousand and six and two thousand and fourteen, how incremental was the build of the band? Like, what, what did it feel like it was getting bigger on each album? Did it feel like two thousand and fourteen was like when everything started to like really, really, really cook? Um, like what was it like building wise? Because obviously I I wasn't um au fait with like Future Islands prior to then. Uh, I would say that the uh, we we definitely felt a growth going like happening um, with our with our audience, um, but it was really organic and very gradual. So it would be like we'd play, you know, we'd go through a town and we might play to twenty five people, and the next time we come back, it might be forty people. You know, just like a, but it, we it would be playing the same room or the same house or whatever. Um, and and it was it was kind of very incremental, gradual build, and and I think we were feeling that with every record, 
Um, and because we only really knew touring and getting out there and the hard work of like hitting the road and playing playing for people. Um, uh, but like, um, yeah, when, when we, when we uh, signed to 4AD and put out singles, uh, it was like an exponential jump with like the, the, the number of people that they were able to reach just as a label was completely new to us. You know, we were coming from, our first record was on uh, Upset the Rhythm out of London. And then our second and third records were um, on Thrill Jockey um, out of Chicago. Um, and and each, each of those really helped us out. Like uh, Upset the Rhythm got us over to Europe and got us press in Europe and the UK for the first time, um, but it wasn't available in the US. And then with Thrill Jockey, we had a publicist and we, we were starting to get press and starting to get some, some interest. But then like with 4AD, it was like, it was like, it was like rocket fuel or something. It really blasted the music. It, the, the reach was far, you know, and- um, It feels like you- and then add in, You'd probably take it as far as you could by that stage that you needed somebody like 4AD to come in, right? Yeah, I would say that. Um, yeah, or at least, to, at least to get us moving a little bit quicker because that, that gradual growth was, was everything for us. Um, you know, in 2008, it didn't feel like, you know, you didn't know what's happening. And then by 2010, it was like, oh, we're, we did like a sold out tour. It's DIY venue tour, but it's like a U.S you know, 250 to 300 cap rooms all sold out. And then the next, by 2011, it was like, we're actually, William is actually able to get us into venues because uh, because we're known within cities because of our, we're selling out DIY venues. Um, mm -hmm. And then, and then uh, we actually get a booking agent. And then just like things, like by the time, by the time uh, we created singles, we didn't have, 4AD wasn't, we didn't have a label. We basically created singles without a label and then shopped, shopped the album around. Um, what happens we, like that? Like, do you have to like go and physically meet people and like sit there with like a, a suit on? Like you're going to like a job interview and you're like going, hello, good sir. Would you like <laughs> to listen to this <laughs> album of creativity that me and my friends have made? <laughs> well, we didn't. I mean, we basically, we basically got our, our friend uh, Ben, who was a uh, constant artist, uh, and work with us with booking mm. we asked him if he would like take us on as, as management and help mm. us find a label yeah and 4ad apparently had been tracking us for a while they had the guy who was our a and r at 4ad had been wanting to work with us but because he saw that we had a potential and that we were growing something but he was like they basically don't have a team but you know that always puts that always puts labels thing. off yeah like i mean labels won't touch like uh, artists that don't have a manager or don't have a booking agent or don't have that team because i don't know i feel like labels want to have that sort of relationship with the band that like the label's really cool and that all that they ever talk about is good things and they can filter yeah. all, filter all the bullshit through the management and through the team and yeah because yeah, I've, I've had that, that conversation with bands and artists before and it's only fair it's only indies that will ever take stuff on that's not managed well and it's kind of it I mean, I understand it from the perspective of, okay, well, that's not, that's not necessarily true though. But, but the thing is, is like, we were, we were primed and ready for just an opportunity. Um, and we had, we had like built, I mean, that was the good thing with 4AD was, um, you know, a lot of labels want a young artist who they can, who they can kind of mold into what they need to do. 
And with us, it was just like, we are, <laughs> this is what you get. Yeah, you yeah. know, we're, we're established in our world. This is how we do things. This is how we sound. And this, you know, at that point, it's like, this is our fourth album is Future Islands. Um, and, and here is the record. If you want to put it out, this is what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, then, you know, there's other opportunities. But, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like some people get signed to labels that don't have any experience and some people never get signed that have tons of experience and it's really tricky where it's just like well you just need a team around you but um you know it's 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 easy for artists to get lost because they just don't know that they need this other thing Mm. because also when you're a band who's making 50 bucks a show to 100 bucks a show to 200 bucks a show and (laughs) you 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 know about pinching pennies you know about like skimming things and saving money and not getting the you know the guitar tech or the you know, the merch person, you know, you do everything yourself because you can't afford to pay anybody else. And the idea of getting a, a manager uh, is is like, well, that's just somebody that takes a cut and it takes a while for your brain to have to adjust to, to like what they can, what people can do for you when you like give responsibilities. I mean, it's difficult. It's difficult because I think a lot of people get lost. They get lost because they get a manager or they um, or they get found because they get a manager or because you don't get a manager, you get lost or you know, in these things. And it's really difficult because there's so many artists that are just like struggling to, to, uh, yeah, get a, get a uh, platform, Yeah, you know? And so we, for us, we were, we were at that point where we felt like we had done everything we could with, with our previous label. And we knew that we were going to be able to survive with this music. Like we had, you know, 150 shows a year for five years straight to the end of 2012. And then we took the year off to make singles. Um, that was because we, that was like the first time we ever had money saved in our bank accounts. It didn't last long, but there was money <laughs> at the end of it. And it was like, wow, I made a living this year being a drunk guy yeah. in a van. Um, <laughs> and so, so yeah, so it was like, well, we can do this, 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 we actually made it like to a point that, uh, like we, I made what my parents make in a year being in a van with my friends. That's crazy. And, and that's, um, and that's, that's beautiful, man. It's like getting, getting actually paid for what you're good at and what you love is like the, the, the best blessing of all. But you guys have really yeah. put the, like, you put more than the hard yards in, like you put the hard miles in definitely with all of the, yeah. the, the shows and stuff that you played. Um, what, how did you react though? Like when it, like, cause it, it did feel like one of those, like, moments where like for people like like me who hadn't heard you before 2014 you just like <laughs> you exploded onto the consciousness of so many um people even though you had really been working like fuck um for all those years beforehand like was it easy to deal with like the sort of what seemed like an instantaneous like that like you know from from letterman and from all the various different um performances you did like, what was the reaction in the van when you were, like, driving away from all that, seeing what was happening on social media and, and, and the rest? I think it took a while to even realize what was happening. Um, at first, it was just awesome because it was just, like, the tour that we had coming up was just, like, sold out. And then the next tour sold out. And then we're like, well, we have to book tours immediately in new venues for the, you know. We just, we worked our asses off. Because we, you know, I was saying this the other day, it's like, if you don't eat good for a few years, then when you're in front of a buffet, you don't like stop eating when you're full, you know, you Mm -hmm. keep eating. Um, (laughs) And that's the way we treated singles, like shows kept rolling in, we kept getting offers 
Um, and we took every single offer. And at the end of it, we were pretty burnt out um, on one side. And, and uh, the, I'd say the, the, the worst misconception of Letterman was for, for me to handle was just that we, or maybe for all of us, I don't know, was just that we were an overnight success. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like, well, like, who cares? Like, I don't like this band. Where did they, like, they came out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden people are talking about it. It's like, no, we've been here for years <laughs> trying to get your attention. So that was the, and that, like, that's an, that was just an insult on a base level of like, no, you don't even understand what you're talking about kind of insult, yeah. which is, which isn't, it's not people's fault, but it is kind of like, hey, come on. Like, mm. you can say that you hate our music or you think this is, this is silly, but you can't say that we didn't work really hard to find ourselves in this moment. Like yeah. we worked our asses off and we somehow got this opportunity to be on television and we capitalized on it. Uh, I, I wouldn't say unintentionally, but we just did what we do. What we would do every night on stage. We did it. It's not even us at a hundred percent. Like, you know, I'm holding back in that performance and it's, it's like, really intense for some people that's good it's more intense if you come to the show come to a show you know these are you know it was a great hook for us but it took a long time for me to settle for that um, did, did you see how how it was like uh, a really great thing that really helped us all out because for a while I was like I don't want to be I'm not your fucking mean you know what I mean I guess he did turn into a bit of a meme for a bit right oh yeah I'm I'm still gift worthy dude <laughs> all over the place <laughs> If I, I accept it now. I accept it. <laughs> if I type into Giffy your name, like, uh, or F Future Islands, like, the, like, how many? Is it, like, infinite? <laughs> there's there's a few. Mm. There's quite a few. Mm. Like, uh, wait, William, how did how did you feel about it? Like, because, like, obviously, like, they're, like <clears throat> Sam was getting so much attention fr from that. Like, what was it like being in the rest of the band? Do you know? Yeah, we, we just, um, like Sam was saying, we were, we were stoked i think you know we were stoked that we were getting that kind of attention um in the moment and uh but, but like you said it was, it was really hard to, for us to really grasp like we just didn't really understand what was like it was it was just foreign completely foreign to us you know so we just we just kept our head down and kept working kept touring and um and and it was our first time like um uh with management so we they, they really helped us take a lot of that weight you know um uh yeah i mean uh, there was no like there was no like jealousy or something that sam was getting more attention i mean sam is a is an incredible front man he's always had he's always been like a very kind of magnetic uh front man and he's he's all like ever since the first our lord show he's been he's always um I think I think Sam's a natural performer and he's very comfortable always been very comfortable on the stage you know um and the way that like I perform and the way that Garrett performs that's not like that's not like Sam is like you guys don't move just I'm gonna do I'm gonna do my thing you guys don't move that's just how I naturally tend to play like as far back as like my first band I was always kind of like a shy like kind of fairly motionless um player you know and, and garrett as well like it's just that's just how he he performs you know and, and we were like it's cool because Kraftwerk did it too so we don't need to move you know <laughs> i think sometimes uh you know um uh, and i i like when, when when the snails play we like we we the whole band gets really wild with the snails so but that's because mm -hmm. we're all in costumes 
<laughs> I completely derailed the question. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I, I have another question I want to ask, but just before we, we, we finish up, like you've got, you like, you know, these painters and these artists, they, they have certain eras. They have like the blue era and blah, blah, blah. Um, what, what, what era is this new album, uh, As Long As You Are, for, for Future Islands? It seems like we're in the orange. Are we in the orange one? Or am I just saying that because that's the album cover? Yeah, from the album cover, yeah. <laughs> and I'm wearing an orange shirt right now. Um, sounds, sounds super literal. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, th- I feel like the band is really, we've, 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 um, we're in a really mature place right now. I feel like, uh, uh, like grayish brown in the, the way that we collaborate. Um, yeah, salt and pepper. Or the salt. salt and pepper, baby. No, I, yeah, I guess. Well, it's it's hard for us to, to really understand uh, what what this era really means. And so, I, for me, it always takes a couple years of like some distance test to pass before I can look back and be like, oh, as long as you are was this, you know, like um, it's hard to call it when you're in it. Yeah, you know I, mean? I feel that. I feel that. Like, you, we'll 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 revisit. We'll come back. We'll do like a remember that oh, incredible good. interview five years. It'll be like the ten year interview <laughs> interview celebration show. <laughs> yeah. Um, guys, I I I know you've got some other stuff to do today. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time out to do the Slacker podcast. I wish you nothing but luck. Um, not that you need it with the the new record, and I can't wait to. Um, be able to actually come to a live show whenever that may be. Meet us either. We're so excited. Yeah, <laughs> we're very excited for that day. Whenever whenever that day comes, it's, we're very excited. It's, it's going it. to come. It's going to be in Norway. It's going to be a fire alarm. Like you, you just know how it's going to go down. Um, lads, thank yeah. you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Phil. It was a pleasure talking. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.